Gilman Scholars, this is your captain speaking. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome to the first episode of A. Gilman Podcast, a podcast produced by the Benjamin A. Gilman Scholarship Team. I'm Sarah Murray, and today I have the pleasure of introducing our first podcast guest, Shreya Bhattacharya, who is not only a close personal friend of mine, but also happens to be a recent Gilman Scholar. Shreya, we couldn't be more excited to have you. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me, Sarah, and thanks to the scholarship team as well for having me and making this possible. Of course, of course. So you went abroad with the Gilman Scholarship in 2017, correct? Yes, I was a Gilman Scholar that went abroad in 2017 to Brussels, Belgium, um, where I stayed abroad for the spring semester and eventually returned after that to graduate from Agnes Scott College in 2018 with a degree in international relations and a minor in dance. After that, I moved to Washington, D.C. for my first postgraduate job at the United Nations Foundation as the coordinator of the Universal Access Project. In addition to that job, I also am a freelance journalist on the side, which I enjoy quite, quite a lot. Thanks for that intro. So I know it has been a few years, but (laughs) paint us a picture. When do you first remember hearing about the Gilman Scholarship? That's a great question. It's been a while. I remember hearing about it first from one of our study abroad advisors at Agnes Scott College, which, if I haven't mentioned before, is based in Atlanta, Georgia. And when I was applying to go abroad and thinking through, you know, financial scholarships that would be applicable for me, one of my study abroad advisors suggested that I look into the Benjamin A. Gilman Scholarship Program. Because uh, students who are Pell recipients, they are solely eligible. And if, you know, they like your application and they think that you're a strong fit for what they want a student representative to be, then you know you are selected and you go abroad as um, a representative of the U.S. Department of State. So I worked very closely with my study abroad advisor as well as the Gilman Scholarship Advisor since Agnes Scott does have a specific advisor for Gilman Scholarships. And um, we worked hand in hand and I applied and I eventually got the Gilman Scholarship, which was really exciting. And congrats again, I guess two years later. Um, But tell us, why Brussels? As I mentioned before, I was a international relations major. So after studying at university, my thought was I was going to be able to join the United Nations, which is a multilateral organization that I was really interested in, and focus on conflict resolution. So when I was looking at study abroad programs, I specifically wanted to go to Belgium because it was the political capital of Europe. And I had experienced internships previously in Washington, D.C., but I had not experienced the European political atmosphere. And that's something that was on top of my mind. So I looked into programs in Brussels and I found one that fit very well, Vesalius College, which had an associated internship program as well. Um, In addition to that, Brussels, of course, is in Europe, and um, Europe is, of course, a very popular destination for a lot of students, but I was solely interested in the political aspect and what Brussels could offer me in terms of educational opportunities. That makes sense to me. And then in regards to the application specifically, 
What are some of your tips in terms of how you were able to be successful in telling your story? I will say, first of all, as a disclaimer, I spent a significant amount of time on the application. It was, you know, lengthy and it was quite technical. But at the end of the day, if you think about the significance of gaining so much funding in order to go abroad and intern abroad and educate yourself in a different environment, it really is very, very sustainable in the long run. So again, I spend a significant amount of time on it. I would say the hardest or most challenging component of it would be the essay question for me, which focused on the why I should be chosen as a Gilman recipient. And I think that's a lot, that's a question that a lot of other students struggle with because you're trying to figure out what makes you special from the thousands of other students that are applying for the very same grant that you're applying for and why your purpose of going abroad is different and why your purpose is special and why you should be given this funding. So when I was writing the essay, I dug back a lot through my history and why I wanted to tie in my personal cultural background with why I thought I should be able to go with the Gilman Scholarship to Brussels. Um, so I, I was tying that personal experience in about my background being an Indian American and why this would be a next step in my journey of experiencing other cultures living abroad. My tip to other Gilman scholars would, or prospective Gilman scholars would be, I think authenticity is the most important point. I think that it's important to remember exactly why you want to go abroad and how those funds will help. So if you look at the why, it's not just, oh, I want to go abroad for traveling or, oh, I want to go abroad because all of my friends are going abroad. It's what are you going to gain from going abroad? And I think if you examine that question, then you will find the answer really quickly about what makes you special and what makes you uniquely qualified to become a Gilman scholarship and go abroad. Many students, myself included at one point in time, find that learning and practicing languages outside of the classroom help to not only expedite, but also deepen one's language proficiency. Could you maybe tell us more about how you benefited from learning and practicing French while abroad in Brussels? Sure, I'm happy to talk about that. I actually began learning French when I was quite young and always immensely enjoyed learning the language and wanted to eventually become fluent one day and thought that it would be a very good idea to travel to Brussels and tone my French skills simply because one of the main languages of the United Nations is French. And I had always wanted to work for, for the United Nations. And because of my interest in working for a multilateral organization that addresses global problems. I will say that when I was in Brussels, I stayed with the host family and they were all fluent French speakers. So that allowed me the opportunity to practice French with each of them on a regular basis, which as you know, practice makes perfect. So that was a key component in improving my fluency. And even at my internship at the Global Governance Institute, because I did intern while I was abroad as well, I was able to use my French skills to, you know, converse with people that were in my workspace, which was an added bonus. Because I achieved that type of fluency in French, 
I was able to apply it to my current job at the United Nations Foundation, where we are not the actual UN, but we do work very closely with the United Nations. So because that's a key component, I would say without that, without that experience abroad, without being able to live for six months in a country and speak French, read French, converse with strangers, friends in a different language day in and day out, I would not have achieved the fluency that, that I currently have. And you mentioned that you were able to also intern at the Global Governance Institute. How did you find the internship? Um, tell us about what skills you developed on a day-to-day basis and how did the practicing of your French and that international experience help in your day-to-day professional dexterity today? When I was applying for internships, we did it directly through our college portal and they match you with different kinds of internships that might be interested in your capabilities. Global Governance Institute stood out to me because it's essentially a think tank that focuses on research with the United Nations, with the European Union, which as you know is based in Brussels, Belgium. And tying those two elements together and exploring opportunities where there might be some sort of convergence between two very powerful political bodies. So my time at the Global Governance Institute was primarily based on research. I was a research intern. And in addition to learning and honing skills as pertaining to a workplace environment in Europe, It offered me critical skills in networking, critical skills in communication, and essentially offered the opportunity for me to adapt to new and difficult situations. So I would say I learned skills from that internship and from that experience that I apply even now. So you finished final exams at Versalius, You completed your internship at the Global Governance Institute. You fly back to Atlanta, Georgia, start and finish your senior year, graduate in May, magna cum laude, and immediately you've moved here to Washington, D.C. after landing your dream postgraduate job at the United Nations Foundation. What are you doing now? What does your current role entail? Maybe you can even tell us about some exciting projects you've had a chance to work on. First of all, thanks so much for congratulating me. It really means a lot. Yes, I graduated two years ago from Agnes Scott in 2018, and I had to move immediately after to Washington, D.C. At the United Nations Foundation, I work as the coordinator of the Universal Access Project, which is an initiative that focuses on strengthening U.S. foreign aid for global sexual and reproductive health and rights. There are many top-tier apparel brands, agriculture brands that employ disproportionate numbers of female workers in their global supply chains, right? So the women that make your clothes or the women that make your twinings tea, and they actually don't have access to essential healthcare services. So it's our commitment to converse with these companies and present the business case rather for why and how they should invest in their female workers and offer them these essential healthcare services and information. 
some of my highlights have been, you know, travel. So because we are focused on global sexual reproductive health care and rights, a lot of our work is hosting regional meetings in countries like Kenya and um, the UK and India and Canada. So I've actually traveled twice with my team now, once to Vancouver for the Women Deliver Conference and most recently to Bangalore, India to host a regional meeting as well. So while I travel with my team, I am an event planner, essentially. So in addition to traveling, I've also gotten to work on a lot of exciting communications projects. I have redesigned websites. I manage the Twitter accounts and the social other social media accounts. I you know, help with the press fellowships. So all in all, I am a Jack or rather Jill of all trades. I do anything and everything as a coordinator. And that essentially means that my day-to-day is very different. My work will depend on, you know, the time of year, what events we're planning, the, um, the women that we're helping. There are a variety of factors that go into all of these um, different components. And so that's what my role is. It's a Jill of all trades. So it sounds like you have a fairly packed and diverse day to day, but... <laughs> It would make sense also as a Gilman Scholarship recipient. You probably also have some personal projects you're working on outside of your position at the United Nations Foundation. Could you tell us a bit more about your journalistic work and how you got started in that? Sure. Well, it actually started at the United Nations Foundation. On our most recent trip to India, we were actually able to meet with, you know, women workers that work in large global supply chains And we were able to interview them and write stories about them. And I was actively involved in that interview process and actually wrote all of the stories for those female workers, which are currently live. So that started around six months ago and it reignited my passion for writing and storytelling and reporting. I right now freelance, right? So in addition to my full-time job, I am also a health and politics writer for Brown Girl Magazine which for many of you who don't know, is a very large South Asian publication that focuses on South Asian expression and dialogue and caters to the South Asian diaspora audience. So as a health and politics writer, I am able to write a variety of stories on female leadership, most recently COVID, you know, which is going on right now. And that fostered a love of wanting to do it for other outlets as well. So I started pitching my stories to other outlets. And so far I've written for Miss Magazine and Teen Vogue. And some of the projects I've actually been able to collaborate on with, you know, key friends or other journalists that I know. So it's been a very exciting process. And it's something that I enjoy in addition to my nine to five job. And this is a question that I plan on asking all future podcast guests, but lucky for you, you will be the first. What is a dream travel destination or international experience that you'd like to have soon? I'd have to say Morocco. 
Simply because, well, there's a variety of reasons. I would say the first being that it's actually in Africa and I've never visited that continent. You know, maybe Morocco would be a really exciting starting point, especially because of its emphasis on the Middle Eastern culture. And that intersects really nicely with my Indian heritage. So I'd really like to visit Morocco. Well, Shreya, sadly, we have come to the end of this episode, but I can't thank you enough for joining us. Is there a way for our listeners to get in contact with you after this episode airs? I am, of course, prevalent on all of the social media channels being a typical millennial. So you can reach me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. And my handles, if you want further details or want to follow me on any of these or want to connect, will be in the podcast description. Fantastic. Thank you again, Sharia. And don't forget to download and subscribe to our podcast. You are the first to know about our new episodes that launch the first weekday of the month. See you next time. Hey, before you go, I know it's only our first episode, but we already have some exciting podcast announcements. We are in the search for an official A. Gilman podcast theme song. Are you a musically inclined member of the Gilman community? If so, we would love to hear from you. Quite literally. Either email or send us a Google Drive link to gilmanpodcast at iie.org with your composed tune to us by July 17th at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, please make sure your tune is no less than 30 seconds and is sent as an MP3 file. And don't forget to include your name, and your scholarship recipient year along with your submission. The winner's tune will make its debut on our next episode, premiering on August 3rd. Oh, did I forget to mention that there is a prize for the winner? (laughs) Happy composing! And you can follow us on Instagram or check out our episode description for more information.